put the time in up front to validate some of the things that you're doing because it's very easy to start something, get pot committed and then realise you've got real structural deficiencies within it. I, I believe in as much as anyone of test and learn and get on with stuff and I think the worst thing you can do is over procrastinate, wait and try and reach perfection but if you are going to take the risk, leave your job, put all your efforts into one thing, um, you know, validate it potentially slightly before you get out there and, and check that there is actually a willing buyer and market for your product. So. Uh, you can waste an awful lot of time with the wrong idea and equally you can go very, very quickly with the right one. This is The Summit by Fearless Adventures. I'm Dominic McGregor and every week my co-founder David Nunes and I will be talking to inspirational leaders about their experiences as they strive towards their summit. Hello and welcome to The Summit. Here we're talking to inspirational business leaders about their business and personal life and everything in between. We'll hear the highs and the lows of their stories and their ambitions for the future. Today, we're here with James Cox, the founder of Simba Sleep, one of the most amazing mattress businesses in the UK, and also the founder of Stonebridge, which is an investment vehicle to look at uh, uh, direct-to-consumer brands. So nice to meet you, James. See you guys. So James, talk to us about where it all first started. Was Simba Sleep your first business, or where did that come from? Initially started my career in finance. Um, I always wanted to go and be a trader in the city, which I, for some reason, had an obsession with as a kid. Um, I went to university and went to two lectures and left and went straight into City after Freshers Week, which was very enjoyable. Got the good part of the way. Exactly. I thought <laughs> I'd go and do the important bits and then move on. Did uh, equity trading for a few years and set up a foreign exchange market-making business, which um, was interesting in, in one regard, but I found it quite same-same after a while. So watched the emergence of direct-to-consumer businesses and such, and um, having made a few small investments in them, I thought it would be good to try and start one and see what business is all about properly. So um, yeah, we started Simba in... 2015 and um, yeah, grew it from there. What was the what was the inspiration behind it? Was were you interested in that whole sector or kind of what were you trying to disrupt? It just felt like a completely broken experience. Um, if anyone had ever been to a bed store and jumped on the end of a mattress and tried to work out in 15 minutes or 15 seconds whether it was the right thing for them, they'd probably yeah realise a similar thing. Um, I think it was a very opaque market in terms of pricing as well. So you had things for 200 quid or things that were 10 grand. And, and once we looked into it, the reality is most of them are very similar. So people were sort of being led down a garden path. And it just felt like there was a great opportunity to launch a brand that was about simplicity um, and innovation in terms of product. So uh, most people ultimately don't know necessarily what they want or need in a product. So we built a product that was adaptable uh, and could work for the widest portion of the audience and effectively sold it in a very easy, low-friction manner. So if you didn't like it, you could send it back within 100 days, um, but try it in the comfort of your own home and... Uh, we thought that thesis was well worth a well worth a try, and um, and yeah, went from there. So essentially, what you did is you allow people to sleep on the decision. Absolutely, and yeah, then totally. and then, and then make the call. One hundred percent. And um, yeah, you're always worried about how many you're going to get back, and you know, the the pessimist in you says that people will use and abuse that system. And obviously, some people do, but net net, you know, we always had a fairly low single digit return percentage, and yeah, it was um, it was good. You know, people generally can actually begin to like a product, and considering the amount of time they spend in them, yeah, we thought it was important. You look at the kind of path ahead of you and you know the kind of the way you want to get to but you know how do you talk about taking those first couple of steps on the journey how do you know what to do and how do you kind of find confidence to kind of go after it i think there's a, a certain element of learning on the job no doubt um but really we just had good conviction behind where we were going in terms of the, the founders there were three of us so uh steve who was uh, running the business with me uh, as md at the time and i was ceo who's now the ceo um, came from a deep operational background and had been running e-commerce businesses for a long time, so had a good understanding of the operational elements that were required. 
Um, I spent a lot more time on the brand and the product and that type of stuff. And our third co-founder was, was from the mattress industry. So we had a good understanding of the different areas within, um, it, which probably made some of the decisions easier. But daily there were challenges around, you know, how you can get cut through, what's the right product, what's the right messaging, marketing channels, etc. And really taking advice from good people around us was, was valuable, um, but also certain element of trial and error. I think for every right decision, you make a wrong one, you just have to correct it quickly. And you know, when you're on that kind of looking back at the journey, there's kind of those key pivotal moments where you think that was a massive accelerator. Yeah. What were they for you? I think there were a couple of bits. I mean, credibility to us was really important from the early days. Um, we always knew for that particular business, we'd need to raise some capital to get it going. So um, in the early days, and at that time, the majority of people were still buying beds in stores. So we managed to persuade John Lewis before we launched to do a partnership with us. So we were in store in all of their nationwide shops. So it was very easy for us to say, trust to buy John Lewis, go and try it here, etc. Fortunately, most people didn't, and they bought directly from the website. So it worked out all right. Um, I think that was a key enabler. Um, Additional key enablers of meeting Steve, you know, who we, we did the business with, um, invested in his prior company, Tribe Sports, which, um, you know, at the time was an interesting idea, but it struggled to scale despite his capabilities. And so his, the prior experience of learning and having met him really enabled us to accelerate the strategy. And um, yeah, on, on the way forward, I think it was a lot of time just then being focused around what we were trying to achieve rather than trying to do lots of things. So uh, there are lots of ideas that came along along the way. And I think actually saying no to half of them was probably one of the bigger benefits rather than getting dragged off in many directions. What was the one, you, is the one that you can think back to that you said no to that you really wanted to do? It was normally the territories. I remember going to India and having a trip there and you know, thinking, great, we take over the world and let's launch mattress direct consumer in India. Uh, it probably would have been a great idea, but I think also given our lack of experience in the market, we probably lost a load of money and wasted a load of time. Um, so that was one I personally was very keen on. Um, as well as certain other businesses that we looked at, we thought we could integrate. Um, uh, but, you know, in hindsight, I think clarity and execution is probably a big benefit. So a lot of people watching this, they're entrepreneurs, and they're building their own brands today. What does it take to build a new consumer brand in today's world? I think you've got to have a purpose and a clarity more so than ever. Um, I think the days of launching a product without conviction, I feel pretty over to me. Um, you know, consumers have got more choice than ever. So I think clarity, conviction... Uh, a purpose to exist and then ultimately a great product proliferate a great product alone i think will struggle in this market you know i think you need great product great brand clear mission and the capability to execute it affordable route to market in essence Uh, so simba we've built this big business i think it was ups and downs you know through that process kind of talk us through some of the highs and lows of that that whole journey certainly some ups and downs um we got off to a great start with the business. It grew very quickly. We got to a million pounds a month in you know, six months. It was, it was a fast ascent to where we were going. At that stage, you start to think that you can take over the world. Yeah. Um, and Literally, literally yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there were, there were a number of other competitors in our market that were sort of going very quickly, one of which IPO'd um, at a point where we were really beginning to accelerate. And the price point that they IPO'd at and the shareholders that they had at the time, I think, set them up for a fall. And we saw their share price go from 100p down to 3 or 4p. That, at the same time, we were heavily investing in international markets and growth and were reliant on external capital. Um, and you know, we, we saw the negatives of, of being reliant on third parties, frankly, because we were exposed, we weren't in control of our own destiny in hindsight. And at that point, you know, had to make hard decisions, both in terms of structuring the business and cutting costs, and then also bringing external capital in at levels that you, you, know, you may not have welcomed. Um, but good learning experience came through it and the business was better afterwards. Um, 
In terms of high points, there's been a number along the way. I mean, I think really for me personally, is watching the brand grow and the, the brand recognition, especially across the UK and generally the fact that most people, I'm sure half of them lie, uh, generally like the product. So um, uh, we no longer give away free ones because you get asked by every single person I know can I have a mattress. And it's, it's, if I ask you for 900 quid, you'd say no. So cancel, come come. But yeah, I mean, it's de- definite highs and lows along the way, but um, yeah, great journey. What do you spend your time doing now? I mean, you know, you've got lots of brands you're involved in. How do you, how do you organize your time even, you know? Trying to get better at it um, <laughs> is the answer. Predominantly we've been focused on investment within singular brands over, over the last few years, um, which we've liked and enjoyed. And that's been in the direct-to-consumer space, fintech, advertising technology, and, and different areas. Um, I think one thing realized as time's gone forward, you, know, you can't give your attention to everything. Um, so increasingly become more interested in platform-esque plays where can invest time centrally behind a cohort of brands and, and, and get the benefits spread across. So uh, that area is area that interests me the most at the moment um, and really a consolidation of just learnings of what we've picked up over the last sort of five or 10 years. What do you think those learnings, the biggest learnings are that you've, that, you've, that you've kind of taken away from the highs and lows of it all? I think there's an awful lot of duplication across all, all of these businesses and people try and learn lessons in silos, which I think if, you were, if people were more collaborative, open and shared information more, more people would avoid the pitfalls that you see from them. Um, so uh, you know, we don't need to reinvent the wheel in 99% of the time. So it's more about investing your time into the 5 or 10% that's really going to make the difference to your brand. So information sharing and effectively CB on the end of your nose or beyond your immediate priorities. I think. You know. why, doesn't, why doesn't that happen? Because it, my thesis there would be a, a lot of the knowledge in some areas is held by third parties, yeah. be that agencies or consultants or that. And then secondly, a reluctancy of entrepreneurs to talk to each other uh, on a bit of competition. Totally. I think the second point is absolutely on point, isn't it? People, not all, but many get quite arrogant about their concepts or their creation and, and think that they know better than everyone else. And you know, I totally get that mentality as well. But on the whole, people aren't going to nick your ideas. Um, you know, if you could learn from someone who's a two-way value exchange, you wouldn't want to go and give your best ideas to someone who's a one-way street. But the idea of collaboration, groups, sharing ideas, whatever it might be on a on a reciprocal basis, I think there's perfect sense. Um, the agency thing, I think, I think as well, absolutely on point. You know, people delegate responsibility to agencies on the whole without knowing what they're doing. It then becomes this opaque area where you don't feel you can get out of it. And I think people do that because when you're running something, you know, as you said before, the team that you put together, you knew mattresses, you knew that industry, but there's you know, a whole host of things you don't know. So you assume that you can lean on these people for support. Yeah when really they're not there for support, are they? They're there for their own commercial interests. Totally. And there are good ones out there, right? Like we've come across the good and the bad of the agency world. There are many who, yeah, diminishing return, I think something that happens in, in the vast majority of them. You, you might get a good first month, second month, but does that, does that last? But relying on them for that understanding of your business, I think is, is really dangerous. I mean, I like the model where they come in and hire themselves out. I think that's quite useful because you do need expertise. And I think third party expertise is helpful. Um, but reliance over the long term, I think you're effectively building structural efficiency into your business. We meet founders, kind of, you know, we've, we've spoken to a lot of founders on this podcast. And there's always been this kind of drive, this ambition, this kind of ultimately the want to change something in their life, you know, change their outcomes of their life or move, you know, we, female entrepreneurs who wanted to change the way they're treated, for example, um, and, and actually have a platform. Yeah. So do, you, do you see that in founders that you're working with? I mean, is that something that you know is a common denominator in the companies you invest in and the founders you work with? I think so. And I think if you have that extra drive, then 
that's what's going to get you up an hour earlier and ultimately make you make the hard decisions at the, the times that you need to and give you the, the associated drive. So I do, and I think there's a, there's a portion that do and generally mean it, and then there's always, most people have got a story, haven't they? Um, so just delineating between the two, I suppose. Um, but that extra drive and a real purpose and a passion, the best people I know um, have come with a real drive and angle and effectively, you know, axe to grind, in essence, for whatever angle that might be. It's the balance between um, selling the story and selling what the story's taught you. Yeah. And then I think you're right, there's a lot of people who sell a story yeah. rather than selling that. There's a story, I learned this from it, and this is now what I'm applying totally. to the world. Yeah, the, the greenwash gloss of, you know, high-level oversights probably, yeah, doesn't get you there, does it? It's the, it's, it's the lessons and the learnings are, are the important bit, in my opinion. And in terms of direct consumer brands, what's that sector looking like at the moment? You know, they see more small brands coming on there. What's their journey going to look like? You know, it seems, feels like there's a lot of disruption about to happen in that space. It does feel like it's changing. A lot of the capability of launching a brand from scratch, um, I would say, is a lot harder now than it might have been a number of years ago. Um, five, ten years ago, you could go and deploy money through Facebook, Instagram, or whatever the relevant channel was at the time and be quite confident you weren't going to get a diminishing return. I think that's changed to a certain degree. So you know, the, the ability to look at different channel mix is important. Equally, launching a product and a business, I think it's also become infinitely easier. Things like Shopify, all of the ecosystems, plugins. You know, when we were doing our first ones, you had to build and develop half the stuff that you needed to do. Now it's just plug and play. So the, the competition that's going to the market, I think, is saturated certain sectors to a degree. Um, uh, and by proxy, I th- don't think that's necessarily sustainable. So bigger may start to, 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 to play out. Um, but I think there's always space for a challenger as well. Uh, if there's genuine innovation and a, and a cut through to how you can get to your customer. Um, but I think you've got to work harder to get to the same result these days. In one respect, it feels like it's getting easier to become an entrepreneur. But equally, it feels at the same time, you know, young people are growing up in families that, you know, they're coming from places where they're already very comfortable. You know, if I think about my own son, I often think about, will he have the ambition I had yeah. when he grows up? Same How do you think about that? If you look at the cost of living and everything that's taking place in the world, I don't think you can argue being an entrepreneur is an easy path. The sacrifices and the lack of potential income that you might have in the early days, I don't think anyone can say, that, you know, that's the easier, easier route. Um, it's glorified. Yeah. It's very glorified at the moment. It people, is. People want to be it because of... It's very trendy, isn't it? Yeah. You, half the content one would go and consume online is, you know, great, look at me, I'm a rock star, and my life is perfect. Um, I think we all know the reality is there's a two sides to that coin, and for every good, you, you know, you miss the bad that, that people live through their lives. But I still think it's a great time to start a business. You know, like, if you look at the capability and the opportunity that can create for, for the person and the, pe- the people around them, I would encourage anyone to, to try um, as long as the idea is stacks up and is sound, uh, but yeah, nothing mentioned, nothing gained. Was my opinion. <laughs> so to talk about the kind of motivation for kids and kind of inspiring them is like, what rules can you set them in terms of this is a way you should be thinking? How do you do it? I'm just asking questions to everyone. I think you know you have to put a lot of effort into your kids, and it's it's hard because you say you give them what they need because you don't want them to go without something, but then at the same time, then you're making them really comfortable. It's a really tough thing to do. I I think a lot of, think about how what we do is a legacy for the next generation and how we set the world up is um, going to be really interesting. There's lots of issues to talk about, but like that's going to be one of them, I think. Yeah, value set and moral set, but then also desire to get out of bed and get on with it. Very hard balance though. Easy to 
said in the answer, I, I, I think we can all only comment in 15, 20 years whether that's been correct or wrong. But. Do you think, coming back to the entrepreneurs that I'm seeing now, there's this much more mission-led approach, feels to be anyway. I don't know how much of it is, like you say, greenwashing and people saying they want to do this. Do you think that, again, we're, with future generations, we are able to inspire them not through financial objectives, which may have been 20, 30 years ago, the aim, to now be mission orientated, which then, you know, what you do in terms of the inspiration and kind of the motivation is not tied to tangible returns, but tried to have an impact. I think absolutely with some people. And the strange thing is pursuing the mission driven approach actually probably precipitates the financial reward for, for people. Purely pursuing a financial gain in a business without a mission probably leads to failure. So it's inverse in many ways. But um, yeah, I think people do care a lot more, don't they? I, mean, I, I had lunch with my nephews last weekend. They're five, seven and nine. And you ask them what they care about. They genuinely care about the world. They generally care about global warming. They generally care about you know, the state of other people and how other people live. The, I think that has become way more profound over the last you know, five, ten years. And that generation that are coming through have a, a care and an awareness. So I, I think more by proxy probably will follow their true passion and dream versus going into the run-of-the-mill industries that most people went into when a job was a job, right? Mm-hmm. If you're doing something like that, I don't think you'd view a job as a job. It'd be a lovely place to be. I spoke before about kind of, you know, entrepreneurs, you often think everything's wonderful, yeah. it's all, all great when you look back at these stories. You know, I often think about the mental health of entrepreneurs. You know, you have to be super resilient. All those no's, all those problems, all those issues, you're on your own. It must have this massive toll on mental health. Whether you end up exiting successfully or, or it fails, I think everything in between, there's a massive price to pay for it. And I think it's a massive issue that needs more, more help and support. Um, you know, I'm sure as a group here, we've all had our own problems from setting up businesses and running them and you know, days where you don't feel like you've got help or support or whatever else. And it's quite hard to go and vent to someone when they think your life's great. Yeah. So you know, I, I don't know the answer to it. But you know, if you go to most of your mates, especially if you're a young entrepreneur and go, oh, my life's shit because I've got a, gr- pardon me, uh, I've got a great business and, you know, but it's really hard, they go, all right, come and sit in my seat, right? Like, so I think if you can probably feel limited around who you can speak to. So a support network and help there, I think, is definitely required. And yeah, for a lot of people, don't make it through that mental pain and barrier. Uh, and by proxy, there's no you know, lack, lack of success. So I think it's better for the economy, better for the world, and generally better for humanity, full stop, if there is additional help and support for people there. I've always taken counsel from people over the years and have seen people that have helped me through times of, you know, that have been challenging and hugely grateful for that. For that. And, but if you don't know those people, you don't have access to them or you don't have the time to find them, yeah, I think that's very hard. So you know, anything that can be invested, I think it's brilliant. And I also think the, the fact that those people will give you time. Yeah. And I think that's one thing I love about the entrepreneur community is that to other entrepreneurs, you will always give time. But I think there's a, you know, potentially lack of understanding maybe from younger entrepreneurs that the mentorship and the fact that entrepreneurs have been in before, they will commit time. And that's one thing I say to all your entrepreneurs is just reach out and ask these people because, yeah. like you said, the journey we've all been through, we've all had ups and downs. And we can share them and help younger entrepreneurs not make the mistakes we made. Totally. Be it like, you know, obviously we don't know much about, man, not much about that business, but we can talk about the fundamentals in terms of you know, burnout, you know, overcommitting yourself, struggling with kind of like people problems and issues in business. So it's one of those things where the answers are 
been done thousands and thousands of times before. Yeah. You just need to speak to those people. 100%. And people are willing. I was always amazed at how willing I have had lunches and meetings and stuff with people I've outreached to. And I was amazed that they'd even be bothered to respond to me. Yeah. And you know, there's a true willingness and openness there, isn't there? I mean, I'm not sure you could call up 100 people and expect them all to no, respond, yeah. but like if... A good, a good amount. Yeah, yeah. 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 True. yeah. More, more than, like you say, more than you expect. Totally. Would be there to... And, they, and totally sympathise with your position yeah. and your journey. And whilst it may be a different vertical, the commonality is huge, right? Exactly. It's, um, it's very valuable. So, you know, we're on the summit here. You've done some amazing things so far. You're involved in loads of stuff. What is the summit for you? What does that look like? Have you been there? Have you passed it? Are you still working towards it? Certainly don't think I've been there or passed it in you know the for me i view this more as a journey i i have no idea where or if there is a a true summit i think summit from a personal capacity for me would be balance of doing work which i love which i i don't think great i'm going to work and retire in 10 years i I think i was shortly followed by a divorce and a few other things if i did that (laughs) that's not really set up but handicap though yeah true that's true Something for me is just getting to a place where you're happy and content. Uh, and I know that sounds, uh, uh, you know, yeah. As, are, you, are you there? As it does. No, not yet. No, don't think I am. But and I don't know if you ever truly get there. But yeah. the, I would say I'm definitely a lot further along the journey than I was five years ago. And you know, you just hope you're further down the journey in, in five years' time. But yeah. Yeah. Um, got to right and set goals along the way but every time I set a goal if you achieve it then you set another one so I don't think that's the end is it you know not for for me personally anyway but I'll let you know when we get there yeah I do yeah (laughs) Yeah, let me me know what we need to do (laughs) (laughs) and what would your advice to be for a young entrepreneur today trying to you know create a business that's got a mission and a purpose about it I think just put the time in up front to validate some of the things that you're doing because it's very easy to start something get pot committed and then realize you've got real structural deficiencies within it um i, I believe in as much as anyone of test and learn and get on with stuff and i think the worst thing you can do is over procrastinate wait and try and reach perfection but if you are going to take the risk leave your job put all your efforts into one thing um you know validate it potentially slightly before you get out there and, and check that there is actually a willing buyer and market for your product so uh, you can waste an awful lot of time with the wrong idea and equally you can go very very quickly with the right one Thank you for joining us today on the summit. We've been really enjoyed hearing about James's story and his journey. And I hope what you've heard today helps you on your next adventure.